Welcome to the episode 19 of Take It EV. 19. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about my new car, Kia Niro, selling my Leaf, DPD, and their public charges. I had a brief conversation with somebody who's involved in that, and uh, they've clarified quite a bit. I know it's a bit of an old one, but you might want to listen. Um, I've got a new charger installed. So that's fun. And also my thoughts about ID3. Let's get started. So, a new car. We have a Kia Eniro in beautiful sparkly white. It's a very undervalued color. I don't see as much of it as I would love to. It does get dirty quite a lot, but it's just amazing up close. It's very pearlescent. In one word, Wow. It's super efficient. Technically, they say it can do is it 280 or 240 um, on a single charge. I I have to I have to be honest, because this car is so efficient, I haven't been driving it slowly or carefully or efficiently too much. So I'm more like 220 to 10, but that's still amazing for a, you know, massive compact SUV, um, family car, which with, you know, weighs probably uh, nearly two ton. It's amazing. So just briefly, why Kia Eniro? Um, it's, it's very efficient. We've already driven one before, the prior generation. I think the powertrain didn't change much. Um, what's changed is the interior. It's now a slightly more plush interior. The screen is wider. It has an active battery warming, not just cooling, which is uh, always appreciated, especially in the winter time. If it rains and snows a lot, you know, if the, whenever temperature basically drops below about five, six degrees, the outside temperature, you might want to have that. Uh, it's a bit of a myth that you need for the temperature to go absolutely berserkly zero or below. In the UK, we get enough snow and enough uh, near zero temperatures for actually uh, this country to care about these things. We don't, but, you know, we really should. Um, anyway, going, going, back, going back to the car. Sadly, the interior is not white or, or bright. Uh, that's not available on the Kia Eniro. It is available on the Kia Eniro whatever, but I don't know why. Why They, they haven't provided that option. Um, it's already a pretty expensive car, so you'd think that uh, more options would be available. What else? Uh, Size-wise, it's 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 massive. Um, it's you know it's slightly bigger than a Leaf in terms of the uh, capacity or storage uh, capacity, but it's you know it's not humongous, so that uh, that's a benefit. Neither me nor wife enjoy really cars that are way too big in terms of the how tall they are or how wide they are. I think the widest I've ever driven in the UK is the Tesla Model S. And, you know, I I, can, I could manage that easily, but if it was tall, I'm not sure I'd be so uh, so happy with it. Um, so that's that. Power. Wow. Again, this car, you know, <clears throat> it's not a BMW... Um, sports car or it's not a Tesla Model 3 fast, but it is fast. I mean, uh, compared to the Leaf, this car just, you know, shifts. And it's an EV, of course, so instant torque. Again, 
Tesla isn't the only car that can do that, boys and girls. In terms of the uh, the battery size, um, that's a you know the range was the uh, the the. I wouldn't say the biggest, but one of the most important things. We didn't want a car that just um, is twice the range of the the Leaf, so 150 miles and uh, miles in, of range. We wanted something that actually will safely get us into the next three four years. Um, and the Kia Ineo absolutely delivers on that front. Like I've mentioned, it is much more efficient, so you can actually drive it without a perceived loss or, or real loss of range if you go over 60 miles an hour on the motorway. The the Nissan Leaf sadly is not as efficient sort of over 66 miles an hour indicated. You you can see that uh, if you drive like that you will not get the range that you want. Um, and of course uh, Leaf doesn't have the active battery cooling which is massive if you want to stop and charge. So I've experienced that a few times actually in the Kia Enero that the the battery heats up to about 30 something degrees and you all of a sudden hear the aircon turning on and cooling the battery off as you're uh, as you're charging and then when you start driving in one of the the sub menus on in the EV panel you will see uh I can't remember what it's called I think it's something something like um battery management or battery health someone will shout at me now whatever it's called there's a basically it shows you a breakdown of percentages how much power goes into the the actual driving or how, how much power has been coming back from the engine or from the motor sorry um how much power is used by electronics and it's quite actually substantial amount it's uh, something like three four percent at times which is surprisingly uh, high i i presume that that's just everything but the um the powertrain so it is you know things like your aircon and fans and lights and the massive uh, four inch screen running an android uh system that's probably not very efficient because you know um doesn't have to be it's in a car uh and all sorts of other trinkets that uh that flash around i don't think headlights and uh, day running lights take as much power as as those things that are inside the car to be honest Hey um, and there's another category. I think it's anything that's plugged in, such as a your phone or whatever. Um, but I think on average we actually get about ninety six percent is actually used just just to power the car. So that's not or the drive the powertrain. Sorry, oh, sorry, Kane and James, powertrain, not drivetrain. Um, <clears throat> so that's amazing. Uh, speaking of charging, I think it can charge to about seventy seven kilowatts. I've only I've only seen. 76 kilowatts uh, going into the car which is still plenty uh, my initial driving just you know just around i've driven it initially just like i would drive a leaf so basically plan a trip and say okay well i need to drive for the next 180 miles and then plug in or, or 200 miles and plug in uh, and then wait 45 minutes take off uh, again driver but spoiler Driving 200 miles in this country takes an awful long time. Um, I don't know about the US, don't know about the rest of Europe, but in the UK, you're going to have to drive for about four or five hours, basically, to drive that much, and or that uh, that far. And 
I don't know about yourselves, even when I was younger, I don't think I could safely say that I could sit behind the wheel for that long and still feel like, you know, like it's appropriate. Never mind bladders and having to just eat stuff uh, during the day when you're on a long trip. And obviously your passengers might not feel uh, very safe and and uh, and refreshed if they have to sit in the car that's driving for so long. So we've adopted since a slightly... Uh, more sort of appropriate way of driving which is you know drive for about two hours so the wall clock rather than the mileage stop and of course if i'm going to stop at the service station or anywhere i'm going to find a place with a rapid plug plug in it's obviously ccs not chademo so that kind of changes the the pattern of uh, of, of the uh, the charge network usage but not massively to be honest um and sit there for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, whatever whatever it takes, however, however long it takes for us to go to the toilet, go to the um, a place, buy something to drink, eat, consume, such uh, things or not, and then drive off. And generally, I try, I try to be at the place for about 15 minutes at, at least. Um, and that gives me enough power to, um, to or enough charge most of the time, to kind of propel myself for another hour or two. And, you know, eventually, of course, the, uh, the, 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 the running average, or your, sort of your, your average, uh, not average, but like your bracket, if you imagine the, the up and down uh, bracket of, of the, uh, the state of charge, that's going to descend or drop down eventually. But um, to be honest, the longest drive I've done so far in one direction was to actually visit the folks at the Yorkshire uh, EV club for the meetup in Hull. Hello guys. And that took me four and a half hours one way or about five hours one way. And I stopped twice, once just to get a coffee, again 15 minutes stop. And second time I wanted to have um, to have lunch, so um, before I showed up at eleven o'clock at the uh, the meetup, and I set off at six o'clock, uh, so I stopped at around ten o'clock in Newark on Trent, had myself a lunch, and then I waited for the car to get about seventy five percent. By the time I got to Hull, it was at fifty, which gives you a rated estimated range of about one hundred and twenty miles. Plenty, I mean, one hundred and twenty miles, you know, is just enough to. Um, to go virtually anywhere in any direction in the UK and you're going to encounter at least one uh, rapid charger on the way to top up and you're going to be driving for over an hour to do that so again um, and on my way back I actually kept on stopping more because uh, I was tired you know I've I've driven four and a half five hours one way spoke to plenty of people very lovely people in Yorkshire uh, highly recommend visiting if you've never been or to one of the meetups obviously now with the with the covid thing probably not as much um uh, of that happening but if it happens ever again i highly recommend that you drive uh, to meet those people even if you're not in yorkshire yorkshire um <laughs> anyway um so you know i set off uh, on my way back home at about four o'clock uh, four p.m and uh, I was tired, you know, driving there, talking to people, having lunch, talking to more people, 
so on my way back, I just took it easy. Um, take it easy, right? Um, <laughs> I I think I just ended up driving sort of about hour and a half. And any time I would encounter either a, a service station where I wanted to go to the loo, or I wanted to have a snack, coffee, or there was an Ionity charger on the way, I would just stop for, again, 10-15 minutes. Um, I think it was more like 15 minutes each time. And just top up each time. And I got home with, you know, 30-something percent at about 9pm. So that was a very long day. 6pm, 6am left, 9pm uh, came back. Um, that was the longest trip I've done. Um, I've done one trip where I've just driven without much of a reason to drive in one or the other direction um where i i actually managed to drive for, managed to drive for 4 hours without stopping and you know i felt safe at the end but i would not recommend doing that to be honest and and that that was 185 miles from from where i live um and i didn't drive slow i didn't drive fast i drove sort of you know um Average safe adult speed, as I call it, in the UK. Um, so that's the uh, the Kia Eniro. I um, I have to say, you know, I do love it. It's a it's a massive upgrade from Nissan Leaf, um, even forty kilowatt hour. Um, but 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 amazingly, from the thirty kilowatt hour Leaf, which you know, I don't know if you know much about that car, but the 30, 30 kilowatt hour Leafs and twenty four kilowatt hour Leafs. And not much has changed interior-wise uh, since the car was released in 2011, I think. Early 2000s, basically. So, uh, you know, in 2020, that car is dated visibly inside. It's still pretty good in terms of the interior, but it's, you know, compared to the, today's cars, it's obviously a bit dated. So jumping into a Kia Eniro is a massive step up from that. But to be honest, any other car, any other car that you buy today, would it be Hyundai Kona or would it be MG ZS EV or any other? Like, there's so many new EVs now. Wow, um, 2020 again, right? Um, it's 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 just it's amazing. Anyway, I'll give you a bit of a breather because I've been talking a lot, and I'll say a few things more about uh, my Eniro after this. First question I asked her was, do you ever think about electric car? <laughs> and now that your ears are visibly relaxed, I'll say a few things more about Kia Eniro, because, again, you know, uh, why not? So, um, the downsides. It's obviously slightly larger. It's more of a problem for my wife than myself. But, but um, you know, um, I don't find the the seats as comfortable as the um, Nissan Leaf ones. It lacks the, the sort of the side support. Um, I don't know how to describe it, but basically in the in the sort of sportier categories of, of seats, you have these uh, so-called bucket seats that kind of wrap around you slightly as you sit in them. And the Nissan Leaf had that um, sort of around your um, your waist area. You know, it would be, it'd be sort of gripping you in the corners. I just don't find a comfortable position in Kia Inira at the moment. Uh, it's not massive an issue, but um, I just find myself adjusting the seats quite a lot. And speaking of which, it's an electric adjustment. So, you know, it's it's great because I don't have to stop to do it. I uh, don't know if you've ever tried uh, changing your seat 
position whilst you're driving in a car that doesn't have an electric one, it's not a very safe thing to do. Let's just put it that way. Um, so I find myself adjusting it quite a lot. But, you know, again, that's a benefit of having uh, uh, such a such a thing. So it's not a massive downside. The boot. Um, I find the boot kind of... I don't know how to describe it again. It's uh, There's a false floor on top of the boot. You can, which you can remove, and underneath there's a charging cable and a couple of other trinkets and a styrofoam sort of casting that uh, with different pockets. You can remove that altogether. But anytime I put anything in the boot, it just ends up just rolling around. It's too smooth. There's no, there's nothing to grip your shopping or anything like that. You know, it, uh, I think Volvo is the only brand that actually has this right, which it just they have loads of hooks and little things that you can actually. Uh, attach things to and and the uh, and the netting that you can put around which you can buy extra uh with a kia enero but it d- doesn't come uh, as a standard um so that would be another downside um there's no way to open the charging port from the remote which first world problems right um at least it, it opens in such a way that i can actually see the charging ports some brands have decided to put uh, a charging port flap so that it's obscured i don't understand that i don't know how don't know how that went through any qa but yeah um and i think that's it like i mean like i said the car is pretty amazing i have no i have no um no issues with it whatsoever it would be great it would be even greater if it was an ev uh designed from ground up and um that's the only kind of major uh, I wouldn't say downside, but a major regret uh, from my side, because we initially actually were um, looking at the ID3, which we end up not buying. Uh, ended up not buying, sorry. Um, which I'll talk about at the end of this podcast. Um, so stay tuned. Right next, I'll talk about the uh, the leaf selling experience after the break. Breaker, breaker. So, uh, we obviously, we're not the, we're not very rich uh, family, so we sadly had to uh, sell the Leaf in order to buy the Kia Enero. I, I would have kept the Leaf if we had the budget to keep both, to be honest. Because my wife actually liked the Leaf size-wise. But we just have no need for, to have two cars. We might have in a, in a year or two, in which case we'll just buy back uh, a 30 kilowatt hour Leaf from somebody. But um, until then, we're just a single car household. And to be fair, there's a lot of waste when it comes to buying cars in the UK. People have too many cars, I, I believe. Uh, not everyone has to have a car in a family. You know, um, people can give, give each other rides and just integrate as a family a bit more if they uh, if they didn't. But anyway, that's a story for a different rant. So how did I sell my EV? Uh, I would be lying if I said it was straightforward. This is the first time I have not traded back my car. Uh, I was given a really pitiful um, amount, what I thought was a pitiful amount anyway. Uh, for my car, which ended up being about a thousand twelve hundred pounds um, less than I got for it privately, which still 
it's an improvement, right? And uh, this was just we 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 wanted to sell the car just after the lockdown has ended, which became obviously a massive pain. So what's happened during the sort of March April time is because we didn't drive a lot. Um, we kept we purposely trying to keep the car, we were trying to keep the car kind of charged sort of in the middle. So, you know, between about 40 to 70%. And in the Nissan Leaf, uh, that charging bar indicator is very nice, actually. Well, actually, speaking of which, Kia Enero one is atrocious, but I should have ranted about that separately. Anyway, going back to the subject, um, the key, uh, the Nissan Leaf uh, um, in uh, charging indicator is or charge indicator is on the right hand side and it's right next to the capacity bars and the trouble is if you keep your car charged sort of in, somewhere in the middle you never see the the top end of it so it was only when i charged the car to the full at some point that i saw that we've lost a bar and uh, what an inconvenience that is so the the, the car actually had 89 percent state of health uh which is plenty um in january february and march i think it fluctuated because it always fluctuates between about 87 to 89 but then i because we didn't drive a lot and we would just charge the car up to about 60 percent uh we didn't spot the issue we we would literally just drive the car to about 50 miles, 45 miles round trip just to drop off uh, a lot of shopping to uh, my in-laws who are in this sort of vulnerable category. And I actually got stopped by the police and asked why was I driving, uh, which was fun. Um, not. Anyway, um, so, you know, everyone tell, always told me that just just keep the car charged sort of in the middle when you're not driving too much. It, it'll do wonders for the battery. Spoiler alert. It doesn't, actually, in my opinion. So uh, when I noticed that the uh, we've dropped a bar, I've immediately kind of went on a longer drive just to drop the... Um, basically, to kind of tell this the, the BMS, okay, well, it's time to do the full cycle a couple of times. So basically, you, you drive as much as you can or as close as you can, as you can to 0%, which uh, generally involves a, a third-party indicators because the car is not going to show you uh, uh, very uh, well what it thinks the the, the lower end of the uh, state of charge is uh, so I would just drive till about you know uh, 7% 8% and then kind of hover around a rapid charger uh, driving in circles essentially till about 4 or 5% um, indicated on the third party uh, uh, indicator and then plug in into the rapid rapid it to about you know 80% and then do that again on the way back and that generally recovers the state of health uh, quite a lot and also more importantly it tells the uh, the bms the battery management system where the the bottom end is because uh, if you don't do that for a while it's going to assume that it's uh, further away than it sorry it's that it's closer than it is um and this is i think where the problem is with the battery management system on the nissan the the sort of the set of assumptions that somebody's made uh, when it comes to the top and and low uh, buffer uh it it, it kind of blurries uh, quite a lot if you don't 
discharge the car to the full or charge it to the full too often. Um, but it's just, again, this is my absolute speculation from my experiences. So I've I've managed to recover the, the car to about 86% state of health, which uh, it, Nissan Leaf 30 kWh would lose the bar, the first bar when it goes under 85% uh, state of health, which is, you know, still plenty. Uh, don't get me wrong, the car, the car was still capable of doing about 90-something miles an hour, uh, 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 as indicated by the... Uh, the guessometer, but nonetheless, I, I, you know, if I could recover a bar because of the lockdown, I was like, why not? That was not successful, even though the car went over 85 percent. Uh, uh, it did not uh, bring the bar back, which again is fine. The only trouble is that actually may uh, put me in a in a strange position because the have I sold the car in say January, uh, the value of the car would be slightly higher because of that little bar even though uh, the state of health of the car was not, you know, not going to keep much longer. And obviously that depends on the way you drive as well and lots of other things. But I don't think it's, I don't think the bar system is quite fair on the the Nissan Leaf. And I don't think it still exists on actually uh, 40 kilowatt hour and 62 kilowatt hour. But um, I'm not going to Google it now. Anyway, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's great. Um, I think it's a sort of a, Admission of failure, if you like, uh, more than uh, more than an added uh, 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 value uh, to the end customer. Nonetheless, I put the car on the on sale uh, via a, a third party sort of uh, private uh, uh, selling website. In somebody who's actually in the circles, and between you and me. I was hoping that uh, they're going to just take the car off my hands and sell it because I've seen them doing that for other people. Unbeknownst to me, what actually what they what they do and what sort of loads of EV specialists selling uh, 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 people do is they they search a car for a customer. So if somebody comes to them and says, "I I want you know an EV with this sort of range for this sort of family needs," uh, uh, they'll come out and and this sort of budget, and they'll come out and and come with something for them but obviously i didn't know that and actually nobody told me that actually um even the the people that i was trying to sell it through didn't tell me that but anyway they've also suggested a price which turned out to be way over the the market value but um you know i was hoping to get that money we didn't in the end so um about two weeks later i've decided to try somebody else and we just put the car on the auto trader uh, cliche as it is, um, it you know, it actually had a much higher visibility, and I've put it on the same price as suggested earlier. Again, looking around, other cars were on, at the same price, so I thought this is fair, and um, it didn't sell. So we've uh, you know, begrudgingly decided to actually drop the price a few times. Uh, by about three, four hundred pound at a time, um, until it actually, until the phone started to ring. Uh, one day, basically, I've, I've, I think I dropped the price uh, under nine thousand uh, pound. I think it was eighteen, eight thousand nine hundred. And uh, next day, next morning, I had two or three calls from different people interested in the car. Two very nice young chaps showed up. Uh, very much interested in EVs 
uh, it was actually amazing. Both all people that actually that wanted to see the car never owned an EV before, and just they just wanted to dip uh, their toes in, into the EV uh, uh, land, and um, and they wanted something secondhand that's proven, like a Nissan Leaf, which you know is amazing. And I was happy to sell the car to them and give them all the information that I could. Um, but um, both of them showed up on bicycles, oddly enough. Um, I, I grabbed the uh, the driver's license uh, details in case, you know, I got stopped or, or we went through a speed camera unbeknown to me. I, you know, as a, as a driver, you have to always know who's been driving the car at the time, have the details, not just the name. Um, they took loads of details. They they really loved it. You know, they took very extensive, one of them took a very extensive uh, test drive uh, with me. I think we covered about 20 miles. Um, and uh, and they came back to me in the in the evening and said, "Oh yeah, we want the car, but for about thousand pounds less than you advertised it, because amongst other things, it's white interior, and it has loads of scuffs and you know." And I thought to myself, "That's just uh, that's just cheeky." Uh, the car has done fifty one thousand miles. It is advertised as a as a white interior, bright interior. So uh, I just said to myself, "No, I'm not going to sell you that car. You just uh, you're going to be a trouble." Um, uh, another gentleman came back to me and said, you know, I just need a car for my wife's school drive, school run. Um, we live in a village, I'm getting solar panels. And since we started looking into solar panels, we actually got crazy about the whole uh, sustainability. You know, thumbs up, like, um, They showed up with the whole family, masked up, obviously, and all safe and sound. Um, again, grab their driver's license details. The gentleman literally drove the car out of the car park, uh, down through one roundabout, uh, turned around on the other roundabout. We covered about a mile and a half and he said, oh yeah, I'm ready to buy it now. I didn't have any paperwork with me because I just came down to show the car. Um, so I just um, I just agreed with them to uh, to meet up next day. And that was that. It was bish bash bosh and they... They, you know, they wanted a hundred pounds less than I advertised the car for, but not, um, not a huge amount, basically. Um, and I was happy to get rid of, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was happy to get rid of the car. Actually, I was, um, I was a bit sad to see Alice go. This is, this was my first EV that I've owned for so long and also first car that I owned from new. So, you know, we had loads of adventures together, um, loads and loads, uh, you know, driving, uh, all over the UK. I went to Edinburgh, Glasgow. Uh, we went to Lake District. I went to um, Wales in that car a couple of times. We got stuck in the sand beach once. Uh, we drove all over, you know, beautiful areas. It was, it was, you know, it was the car that I've done a lot of driving in. 51,000 miles to be more precise, of which 50,000 50, of that I've probably done myself. My drive. My my wife doesn't drive the car as much as I do, uh, so it was very sad to see it go. But you know, hey ho. Um, again, we don't need two EVs, and we wanted to get the uh, the Kia Enyro. So that's the uh, that's the leave gone. The moral of the story, boys and girls, uh, if you sell a car or if you want to buy a car, don't be a beep. You know, just if somebody advertises a car for a certain price. Just be fair, um, and just be quick. Um, you know, do your research upfront. Don't don't 
take somebody's time and then be cheeky about the uh, the price. Uh, that's really not good. Unless somebody's really desperate, they're not going to sell you the car then, and you don't want to buy a uh, car from somebody who's desperate, really, let's be honest. So the car is gone. Um, again, sad to see it go, but it's still an amazing car, and as a second car for a family, uh, I would highly recommend it these days. It's I think it's very much worth it. Anyway, that's enough about me selling the car. After the break, I will talk to you about the DPD issue with public charging, which some people have brought up uh, a couple of months ago now, actually. Um, so stay tuned. These aren't the numbers that we talked about. I would like to see the invoice. Why? It doesn't matter what we paid for the car. What matters is what you paid. Right. So, um, DPD. I've, I'm in no way affiliated with DPD and I love what they're doing, so please don't take any of this, um, you know, this is just my side of the story based on low amount of data. So, um, DPD, for those of you who are outside of the UK, uh, is a um, parcel delivery company. So basically, you're, just like your UPSs and FedExs, um, DPD is one of those companies in the UK. They're they're pretty good. They they've been around for you know twenty thirty years, um, and generally I've never had any issues with uh, deliveries done by them or me sending stuff uh, anywhere via DPD. Um, recently, they they decided to kind of be a bit more progressive when it comes to the or be more up to date compared to the uh, uh, competition, which is always amazing. They've got a very good app. Um, well, I can't speak for Android, but for iOS. So basically, if you sign up with an email address, it kind of confirms your home address. And anytime you order anything using that email address, um, your delivery is going to show up in that app automatically. So you don't have to you don't have to type in your tracking details, which is just you know it's brilliant. Uh, they've also decided to go a bit more uh, hardcore when it comes to uh, transitioning to electric vans. Um, so whilst other companies are waiting for either, you know, custom-made vans for themselves or for other companies such as Mercedes or um, or, or whatever um, to actually bring EVs to market, there's always one company, or there, there is one company that has been delivering electric, purely electric vans for ages, and that's Nissan. Uh, especially with their ENV 200 uh, vans with a 40 kilowatt hour battery, that's plenty enough range for a, a typical daily delivery route for any any sort of delivery van in the UK, I believe. So they, I don't know what they exactly internally has been happening, but as far as I know from speaking to one of the directors who's involved in that project internally, they have they had whole or they still have a whole department that's whose pure job was to decide. This is how we're going to do it. How we're going to plan it out. What the problems are going to be. How we're going to address them. And you know, for the most part, it all went amazing. Apart from the fact that one day, uh, I woke up to a lot of um, EV drivers uh, crying to to uh, DPD about uh, uh, many DPD um, delivery vans being parked and and kind of kept overnight at public charging ports, especially around Reading in the UK, 
which is uh, just west of London. So, curious about this, I actually decided to, um, you know, do a bit of journalistic uh, uh, investigation myself. So I thought, that's a bit old, because reading their material and just, you know, talking casually to some of the drivers, I didn't get that impression that they would park at the uh, the public charging ports. Um, I've emailed their CEO, brave as I am, and unbeknown to me, they actually, somebody, somebody's listened inside, and they, I got a, I got a, a date with a, well, quote-unquote date with um, one of the directors, I got, I got 15 minutes of the time to just talk to them. I can't play the interview because it, you know, it wasn't an interview, but they gave me succinct information from the inside, which was very nice. Also, around the same time, I actually, when I was driving my Kia Enero, uh, I stumbled upon a, a pub uh, a charger uh, and noticed that there was there were two uh, DPD vans charging on the rapid charger, which I thought, that's bizarre spoke to the drivers and they both said to me the same thing they basically said this was before i actually decided to email the uh dpd they both told me that um they have to stop for an hour to charge on the on the on the on daily basis pay for charging out of their pocket and nobody pays them for that hour when they're charging and i thought to myself that's a bit odd you're doing you're doing you know 70 80 mile runs uh, during the day, you're stopping a lot. You shouldn't really need to charge. Um, I couldn't kind of square this all together. So here's what I found with, I'll just explain to you in my own words what's happened. So basically, I believe DPD employs uh, delivery drivers as a company internally, but part of the the network is also outsourced to a third-party contractors, and of course, have you ever seen? If, if you ever seen a delivery driver uh, driving around, not all of them are very, let's just say, efficient in the way they drive. You know, they rev up their engines, diesels usually, uh, down or up the hill, and then stop. You know, all the time, and they probably spend fortune on diesel that way. Uh, and I'm sure they complain about that as well. So that's one problem. Uh, and the other problem is with electric vans, especially something as sort of, I wouldn't say inefficient, but not the best efficiency uh, drive a powertrain as a Nissan uh, uh, van or cars. It You'll struggle to get a good mileage if you drive on the motorways a lot and especially if you hammer it if you go fast uh, so my suspicion is that um, some of the contracting drivers weren't given a good training or they decided to ignore that training maybe they think they're gods of the road already because they're driving every day and they just run out on daily basis or they run it uh, very close to running out on daily basis uh, or the, maybe they just have uh, the good old range anxiety because they see 50% on the on the daily run you know being dropped by the by lunch and then decide to actually stay at the rapid charger for an hour to top it up which again um they have they haven't been given sufficient training to actually find out that they shouldn't be topping up to 100% uh who knows the, the said rapid chargers are rather expensive uh, compared to your household uh, uh, charging 
which is why perhaps some of the the DPD uh, drivers found themselves uh, charging at night um, in Reading or other public uh, uh, charging ports that are probably free uh, and parking is free overnight, so you just leave the car there. Which leads me leads me to another point. So I was told by DPD or the person at DPD that. A, they have this department that you know has been in charge of planning and out, rolling out the uh, uh, the electric vans, and c- this was confirmed by by a couple of the drivers, other drivers that I spoke to, uh, uh, driver uh, driver around. The DPD drivers were given a van, and uh, most most crucially, at the house they would have a charging port installed to be able to charge overnight. So every day the van is charged to full in the morning. The driver then drives the uh, the van to the depot. Presumably it's plugged in uh, at the depot when it's, when it's been loaded in the morning. And then the driver goes off to do the routes, a delivery route. And this is amazing. And actually, kudos to one of the drivers who I think should be given, you know, medal for this he basically said to me look i actually i actually stopped driving on the motorway in this case between where the depot is and me you can drive on either on the m25 or there's an a road sort of slightly smaller road that you can drive on the same distance it's going to take you you know 15 minutes longer but because you're not driving so fast um you, your range is going to increase massively and he said to me ever since i got the the, the van I've just been driving on A roads instead of the motorway, and I've got plenty of of uh, of juice to go around. So I think this is just basically uh, the same thing we saw in the EV market initially, where people would would buy a car that has, say, eighty miles. Uh, I'm talking about the twenty four kilowatt hour Leaf. Uh, of about estimated range but some people saw it uh, it was only capable of doing 50 because of the way they drove um and it's the same thing with the dpd drivers i suspect that uh and this is unconfirmed speculation on my part that some of those either contracting drivers or just drivers who've been given in a household uh, charger have been given some allowance to to cover the uh, the fuel basically because it's going to cost, you know, 20 odd pounds a month to charge that van, maybe even more. Uh, and instead of charging at home, they've decided to, to use public uh, charging network, which is free. Uh, so the council covers that, uh, in most cases, that cost instead of, and they still get the 20, 30 pounds or whatever they get from the DPD. But again, this is a wild speculation on my part. And again, DPD, if you want to talk about this, I'm happy. Like, I was very excited to talk to one of your directors, but he was... So I'm not sure this is going to ever go uh, again. But um, but if you really want to have a, you know, like a PR campaign, just get talk to somebody in a professional manner and just be nice. Um, all I wanted to do at the end of the day is find out why some of the drivers are squatting on the public charging infra- infrastructure and why... Some of the uh, uh, drivers need to charge uh, on the rapid chargers. Anyway, this is my speculation, uh, and this kind of concludes my DPD segment, which I hope I'll never, I'm never going to have to charge, uh, uh, talk about again in, a, in this sort of way. Again, I love what they're doing, and uh, I know plenty of companies who use DPD because, you know, it's an amazing business. So um, I actually love the fact that uh, most of my deliveries these days come uh, uh, on, a, on an electric van. I'm all for it.
So that's that. Uh, after the break, I'll talk about why we didn't go for ID3. Stay tuned. Ignore old Mr. Grumpy. <laughs> there you are. Let's talk about ID3 and why not ID3. So, um, after the, uh, the lockdown in the UK, when the businesses started getting up uh, open, I still had no information about the pricing on ID3 in the UK. You know, we we were given such a wide range of uh, pricing. Some people would say it would be £25,000. Other people would be like, oh, yeah, it's going to be Model 3 level, you know, £40,000 plus uh, uh, pound cost for the, the first uh, generation. It... Um, it varied. It varied so much. Uh, it was. It was very. It's very hard to make a decision. Uh, and one day we've received a call from the Kia garage, basically saying to us, "Look, the car is going to be here in two weeks. We need to know now whether you're going to take it or not." Because obviously some people have uh, had a chance and uh, change in their circumstance uh, over the uh, the lockdown. And they, you know, they decided not to uh, not to go ahead with buying the car, which is fair enough. Uh, sad as it is, you know, there's a, there's actually a surplus of EVs um, in some garages uh, right now because of that. So actually, if you're looking for a, a brand new EV, I suggest uh, call, calling around because your uh, your local garage is not going to tell you that uh, there's a there's the same car, you know, sitting 200 miles away in another garage on their lot. Uh, because it's they're just a different network. That's just a sad reality. Uh, so we, you know, we had to make a really ha uh, uh, hard decision about uh, cancelling the ID3 order, just because the Kia Inera would be here um, earlier than we anticipated. We still had no news. I think the Volkswagen garage was still closed for another two weeks. Um, uh, so that's in a nutshell why we didn't go for ID3. I've actually never sat one in one before that as well. So basically, Kia in Euro has been around since I believe 2018, and I, we, we've driven one last year. I had one from the EV Experience Center. Uh, so you know, I've seen the car, touched the car, I've, dri I've driven the car. I th as far as I know, again, I think powertrain didn't change much. Um, so we knew that we loved that car. In fact, I actually, I said that to many people, I, you know, if somebody offered me a, a second-hand Kia Inera at the time when I test drove one, um, I would just uh, go to the bank, get a loan and just buy it there and then, because um, I was so happy with it. Anyway, um, so fast forward a couple of weeks and, or quite a few weeks actually, um, I went to the uh, VW garage recently to have a look at one. They now have, uh, I think, three of them just uh, randomly around the garage uh, that you can have a look at. I, th I believe some of them are available for a test drive as well. And I sat inside one and I thought to myself, wow, um, maybe I should have waited. <laughs> um, it is actually, it is very nice interior. interior. Um, it's a bit different, a bit more minimalistic and... It's it's different. It's uh, it's different to anything that uh, VW put out before. But I think that's the whole idea. They 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 want to establish a new line of cars. So obviously, 
uh, everything had to be rethought from ground up, but it's still a VW, so the quality is obviously visible there. Um, from other people who uh, had their delivered, uh, they're, they're very, very happy with them. Um, you know, the, there's plenty of room in, t in the interior because it's obviously it's been designed from ground up to be an EV, unlike the Kia Enero, which is just a a variant of an ICE car. Um, it uh, you know there's a lot of wasted space in in Kia Enero under the bonnet and in various other places because it's it's designed to be a PHEV mild hybrid. Uh, whatever other hybrid, there's like 50 other different variants of hybrids and then pure ice. Uh, so, you know, that, that I don't know, I, ha I had basically, I, I thought to myself, oh, we should have maybe waited. But on the other hand, uh, Kia Enero is a proven car, whereas the uh, VW ID3 is a fairly new first, you know, first gen um of a car, so that's a risk that the the new owners are willing to take, and also VW takes that risk because I'm sure they will have to be very careful if anything goes wrong uh, in, with some of those cars to actually make it up to the owners. Um, it you know the the, the positives of of ID three again, it's a pure EV from ground up. It charges faster, and the rumor says that it has full over the air update capability and you again I'm not sure about the UK but apparently in some countries you get a subscription model um, where you basically pay set amount of money a month and you can use Ionity charges for a, a discounted price which in case of a Kia Enero even though Hyundai and Kia are technically part of the Ionity group we don't get which I'm really really unhappy about if you're listening uh, listening and you're uh, you're working for Kia please get in touch because I would love to know why and of course ID3 is made by VW they, they know how to make cars very well Let's be honest. So I've been I've been on for 52 minutes now, and I don't feel like uh, I've covered all the subjects. So let's go. The bonus round. I'll talk to you about Zappi. So as you as you might have uh, remembered if you uh, if you're a subscriber uh we had uh, jordan brompton from uh, my energy uh, uh, way back earlier this year and she was amazing it's still one of the most downloaded episodes actually of the uh, this, this podcast she was she was very genuine and, and bubbly and and i uh, just loved talking to her um and uh, sort of jokingly i asked her can i can i get a zappy with a red cover there's basically if you've never seen a zappy and just look it up it's it has a little shroud around the um uh, the edges of the uh, uh it's actually pretty thick like a bezel around the the edges of the the charging port the ch charging point and you can get that in sort of a dark gray black almost or uh, or sort of white you know ivory white uh, colors and amazing as that as they look i i like the color red i thought why not, you know, ask her about the uh, the other colors? So when I ordered one uh, recently and uh, had it fitted, the fact she sent me a separately a, a red cover as a sort of 
a joke maybe but uh but it actually looks epic in my opinion and i now have it uh, have it installed on my on my uh outside wall and uh, this is how we charge our car now the the reason for going with uh, with zappy is basically very simple we have a solar pv array on the roof and previously we didn't have any way to control directly how much power we actually want to use just from the solar to go into the car there are other solutions out there on the on the market but um they either either don't have the the intelligence quote unquote to do it or they do it using a uh, 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 online api so basically the charger makes a query to the you know the um in our case the uh, solar panel um what you call it inverter uh, manufacturer manufacturer um who are called uh solar edge and and finds out you know how much power the the car is actually or the, the solar array is actually outputting at the moment but that doesn't give you, uh, doesn't tell you how much power actually, you know, is left over from the house. Whereas uh, what my energy uh, uh, products brilliantly do is, and this is like a simple, simple solution, which, again, as an engineer, I just boggles my mind why others are not doing it. Uh, they put a little clamp, what's called a CT clamp, basically that uh, senses how much power um go, comes in or goes out of the house on your on your uh, your feed to the to the house um and it's very easy to install there's no need to unplug any cars it just goes over one of the wires um in your uh, distribution cabinet that's usually outside the house usually very close to um to your charger actually and uh, it just knows how much power goes out of the house and tries to keep that in one of the modes it tries to keep that to the zero um, and that's the sort of eco plus mode where you basically you want to know you you want to get all the power that uh, is all the excess power from the solar to your car. Um, there's other modes that um, other chargers on the market have. So there's a faster mode, which is basically you know on and off, uh, just like any other charger. Uh, so it's full seven kilowatts, uh, or however however much the car will actually take. Um, and there's also another mode called Eco, which uh, this is this is actually something I wish somebody told me before I had this charger, um, which is basically that uh, your your EV the the the, the charging standards uh, specify the minimum charging uh, current that go can go or amount of power that can go in a car, and I believe it's one point two or one point four kilowatts. Don't quote me on that. Look it up. Um, don't be lazy. <laughs> Joking. Um, and the uh, uh, I'm sure you can look it up. And basically, uh, what Zapier will do is, if you have say 0.5 kilowatts, 0.5 kilowatts coming out of your house into the grid, that's not going to go into the car because that's not enough to meet the the minimal charging uh, um, criteria for your EV. It will basically if you imagine the battery pack and the the charging unit in a car, the, the the big power supply that's basically under the bonnet, usually in a car or or just close to your uh, charging port, and then the batteries and themselves, the battery pack needs some amount of current to actually 
uh, be fed into the batteries themselves, and that has uh, that has some uh, there's some losses in uh, 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 occurring during that process. So all those things taken together. Uh, uh, and the way the sort of the communication quote unquote works between the car and the charger uh, there's been a minimum established basically to be one point something kilowatts one point let's just say one point two I'm not sure about that, but um let's just assume for the uh, purposes of this conversation that it is I think it's uh, it's actually amperage not uh kilowatts but um so it kind of depends on your voltage so in the u s it'll be different to the u k for instance right anyway um so that's the downside of this way of charging. However, to my knowledge, Zappi is the only charger that can actually do that. Other chargers can do what Zappi can do, going back to the charging modes, in the eco mode, which basically um, turns on this sort of lowest um, charging uh, uh, mode for your car constantly, so that your car charges all the time at 1.2 kilowatts. And then on top of that, if there's anything uh, anything more uh, being uh, generated that hasn't been consumed in the house the car will get that so say if you're so if you how if your house consumes 500 watts uh your solar array is producing three kilowatts um then you're going to be left with two and a half thousand uh watts to 2.5 kilowatts and that's going to go to your car uh and if you're if you're you know generating less uh that extra power is going to be imported back from the grid, basically, um, which is the downside of it. Um, but given that we have a car with a massive battery, Kia Niro, uh, and that uh, the car that we have now is not scared, quote unquote, of being charged to the full, even though, and has an internal uh, ability to to sort of uh, to restrict the, uh, the the top end, so you can set it anywhere from forty to hundred percent in ten percent inc- increments. Um, we're kind of happy to keep the car topped up at all times, uh, because let's be honest, we're not going to generate uh, that much power, especially in the winter uh, or autumn as as it's as it's now, uh, to kind of fill up the car on daily basis just from the solar panels. We might do that in the summer, but you know that time has passed sadly. So those are the modes on the uh, on the Zappi. But <laughs> another sort of underrated feature of the uh, the sort of my energy um, company, and I'm going to sing praises here because I because I love just dealing with them. Um, and as an engineer, I I just find that you know this like super simple and intuitive is they have a very good app um that kind of gathers the data that you've been uh, you've been accumulating by using the zapier itself so we we have another one of those clamps installed just for the solar panels and it's actually worth when you have the zapier installed to just have that if you have solar panels because it will give you more information about actually how much power has been actually generated by the solar panels so it will break it down between how much the house takes and how much the solar panels uh, uh, generate and be able to, from there, get the idea of, you know, how much the house actually consumes, how much you're importing from grids, uh, and break it down. It um, we've, we've had the charger now for over a month, and I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm amazed how much more information the the access to that data gave me, basically. Uh, and also, I'm obsessed. Like, I <laughs> I literally have have a, a cheap Android phone plastered to my wall in the office, uh, 
with the uh, the my energy uh, app is running on it twenty four seven, just showing me what is the current state of the uh, the house consumption. Because um, it's just it's just information is 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 so valuable these days. You know, especially about your own house. Uh, it uh, <laughs> if you have one of those chargers, it's just it's just uh, it would be silly not to get that. Um, we we will get. I think I have finally decided that we will get the Eddy, which is the uh, the trinket that directs power to the uh, hot uh, water tank. And as far as I know, that doesn't have any minimal uh, uh, power requirement. So basically, anytime we're generating power in excess of, you know, uh, what the house consumes, but under what the car can take, we could just get that get our uh, hot water topped up, which would be nice as well. And um, it's a whole it's a whole subject that um, I've actually went in, and uh, and you know because because of my sort of spectrum, uh, I I just went on fully on, and uh, it's a whole another subject on how efficient your house is and could be, and how are how amazing and inefficient some of the little things we have in our house are and how more efficient they could be and uh, it's just a subject for another episode or more episodes but it's not about EVs so we wouldn't be wouldn't be fitting for this uh, for this podcast I believe although if you think otherwise let me know I might actually bring in some people for uh, for an interview who actually know way more about these things such as um, solar panels and battery storage systems and uh and um, heat pumps and so on because it's 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 a fascinating subject it's really fascinating um and it's the future uh which we will have to uh transition ourselves into just like we're gonna have to transition uh the whole society into driving electric uh, there's no two ways about it and on that bombshell i'm gonna have to end the podcast because i've been now yapping away for over an hour which i don't know how long this podcast is going to be when it airs but um Thank you very much for listening, if you've been listening so far. Uh, if you have any questions, any comments, follow us on Twitter, at TakeItEV, just like the podcast, for, uh, for, word, uh, for all the words together. TakeItEV at gmail.com for any comments, any, if you have any, you know, any, anything to say or any, anything to offer, I uh, am all ears. And uh, I'm sorry uh, we have been out for so long, but um, we had few episodes uh, planned but either the interviews didn't go ahead or we had some technical technical difficulties in in case of one of the interviews and I'm going to have to re-record it with the person uh again because it's uh, it's just you know it's the downside of lockdown I'm I'm afraid um and also I just wanted to have some some breather I think people aren't, aren't listening to uh, to podcasts as much now as they used to so I don't want to flood you with episodes about you know daily news or whatever because i don't find that that interesting to be honest um anyway if you have been thank you for listening and uh speak to you soon take it easy take it easy